What's going on, Football MD fam? Welcome back to episode 21 of the Football MD podcast. My name is Michael Bowling, and I will be your host for today's show. Unfortunately, my co-host Dan could not join me today, but I still have an awesome episode planned for you guys, getting you ready with everything that you will need to know to dominate your matchups in week eight. But before we get into that, make sure that you're following us at Football MD Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and checking out FootballMDPodcast.com to keep up with all of the NFL, fantasy, and NCAA content that we've been producing week in and week out. And of course, we still have a few special edition breast cancer awareness t-shirts left, so if you would like to represent the podcast and donate to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, make sure that you are sending us your orders on social media. Again, that's at FootballMDPod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email us by clicking the Contact Us tab over at FootballMDPodcast.com. Now we can get right into it. The reason why you guys are all here, our week eight preview, starting with the London game, the Philadelphia Eagles playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. And my first bit of advice for this game, don't forget that it's at 930 in the morning. I know a lot of people got caught with a surprise inactive by Melvin Gordon. By the time you woke up, the game had already started and Melvin Gordon was already putting up zero points for you in your starting lineup. So don't forget that this is an early game. Make sure every one of your starting players is active. With that being said, I'll hop right onto the Eagles' side of the ball with Carson Wentz, who the Eagles have really been relying on. Wentz has now been throwing the ball 35-plus times in each of their last five games, and I don't know if that's likely to change this week with both Corey Clement nor Wendell Smallwood really being able to get anything going on the ground. But I also don't think that that's the formula for success when playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have held four of their last five quarterbacks to 183 yards or less through the air. And over their last 23 games, the Jaguars have allowed just two top 15 quarterback performances. But it does seem like the Jacksonville defense and entire team, for that matter, is going through a bit of a meltdown. So for that reason, Carson Wentz, he is still in that quarterback two range for me, although it's definitely not an ideal matchup. And on the ground for the Eagles, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, as I mentioned, I'm not very excited about starting either of these guys. I am forced to start Corey Clement in one of my leagues, and I actually think he's the better play here. The Jaguars, they have allowed 252 yards and two touchdowns, two running backs over the last two weeks, as well as a rushing touchdown in each of their last three games. So there's definitely some opportunity to be had on the ground. It's just this split with Wendell Smallwood having 30 touches and Corey Clement having 24 over the last two weeks. It's really tough to tell who's going to be the better option week in and week out. I just think Corey Clement is slightly less game script dependent. So if you had to choose one, I'd be leaning Clement here. And then we have Alshon Jeffrey, who now has 306 yards and four touchdowns through the last four games. And this has been playing against Xavier Rhodes, Janoris Jenkins, James Bradbury over the last three weeks. So he's really looked great, and it's unlikely that you have a better option than Jeffrey on your team right now. But he is going up against Jalen Ramsey this week, so I wouldn't expect too much more than a high-end wide receiver three performance from him this week. And Nelson Aguilar could actually be a sneaky start here as the Jaguars haven't been too good at defending slot receivers as of late. Remember Cole Beasley's nine receptions for 101 yards and two touchdowns. And Aguilar is averaging 7.8 targets per game. So he could have some solid involvement with Jeffrey tied up with Jalen Ramsey for the majority of the game. But outside of deeper PPR leagues, I really wouldn't be too interested. 
Moving over to the Jaguars side of the ball, I'm going to keep this nice and short. I'm avoiding this entire offense. Blake Bortles, I know that the Eagles have allowed a lot of passing yards over their last four games, two quarterbacks. I saw that stat, but we know that Bortles is on a short leash. I'm not taking that risk on a quarterback like Bortles. As far as the run game goes, Carlos Hyde and TJ Yeldon, the Eagles run defense has allowed just one running back this season to rush for more than 42 yards, and that was Saquon Barkley. If you had to pick one, I would go with TJ Yeldon. In PPR formats, I think he falls into that running back three conversation. The Eagles, they have allowed 32 receptions for 276 yards, two running backs over the last four weeks so I don't think he's a horrible play this week and as far as the game of Russian roulette that is the Jaguars wide receiver core I'm not trusting any one of these guys this is another situation I am just completely avoiding if I had to go with one it would be D.D. Westbrook but I really can't even say that with confidence with the way that this passing game has worked out this season Moving right into our next game, we have the Baltimore Ravens playing the Carolina Panthers with a 43.5 point over-under. Starting with the Ravens side of the ball, Joe Flacco, while I don't think he is a great start in this matchup, the Panthers have been very tough against running backs. I'm not expecting much from Alex Collins or Javarius Allen, so I do think that he'll have to get it done through the air. I think he provides a fairly safe floor if you're in a tight spot. But in what should be a low-scoring game with that 43.5 point over-under, I would avoid Flacco if possible. For the run game, I think the Ravens' backfield has gained some clarity over the last two weeks. Alex Collins has received 33 carries during that time compared to Javarius Allen's 10. But the real issue here is the red zone usage where they're essentially splitting carries. So this obviously caps the upside of Collins. Plus, the Panthers haven't allowed a rushing touchdown since week three. So I still have Alex Collins in that running back three range as he should see right around 15 carries. And Buck Allen should be touchdown dependent as the Panthers haven't given up 25-plus receiving yards to any running back this season not named Saquon Barkley. And for the passing game, I'm continuing to roll with John Brown as long as he's healthy. I know that the Panthers have only allowed three top 24 wide receivers on the season, but they have also allowed nine receivers to deliver double-digit PPR performances, which is perfectly serviceable, and that's what I'm expecting from John Brown this week. I'm also expecting Michael Crabtree to get covered by James Bradbury, so I would definitely avoid starting him unless you're really in a pinch, but John Brown, he should be able to provide at least a wide receiver three performance for you this week. For the Panthers side of the ball, of course, playing one of the best defenses in football is never an ideal matchup. And for Cam Newton, I really don't think that he's a great play this week outside of the anomalous game against the Bengals, I guess you could call it. The Ravens have allowed just four passing touchdowns on the season, but we have seen some mobile quarterbacks like Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield, and Josh Allen have some success on the ground against them. So I still have Newton as a borderline low-end quarterback one this week for the floor that his rushing ability provides. And for Christian McCaffrey, the good news is that he's gotten all 29 of the Panthers running back touches over the last two weeks. The downside is that he really hasn't done much with them, totaling just 49 yards on the ground and 97 and a touchdown through the air. The Ravens defense, they've been lights out against running backs, having allowed just one top 24 finish on the season, and that was Alvin Kamara just last week. So while McCaffrey still provides a relatively safe floor because of his receiving abilities, his ceiling is nothing more than a running back two in PPR formats this week. And in the passing game, Devin Funches, he's been solid this season with 77 yards and or a touchdown in four of his last five games, but he's had a pretty favorable schedule. While this week he's going to see a ton of Brandon Carr and Jimmy Smith, so I definitely would avoid starting him if possible. And for Greg Olson, he's obviously not the same player that you used to be able to just lock into your lineup week in and week out. 
But tight ends have found some success against the Ravens this season. David Njoku had 6 for 69. Ben Watson had 6 for 43 and a touchdown. So with Funchess in a tough matchup and the Ravens allowing less than 35 receiving yards per game to running backs, I think that Olsen could see an increase in opportunity, which should have him in that fringe tight end one territory. Now for our next game of the week, we have a rematch. The Denver Broncos playing the Kansas City Chiefs with an over-under of 55 and a half points. Starting with the Broncos side of the ball, Case Keenum. Plain and simple, he was almost benched in week six, so I'm not starting him this week. I think there are plenty of better options with much less risk. As far as the run game goes, Royce Freeman, he's officially been ruled out, so Philip Lindsay should be locked into all lineups this week as the Chiefs have allowed 11 double-digit PPR performances to running backs this season. And don't even get me started on Devonta Booker. As far as the passing game goes, Emmanuel Sanders, he should be covered by Kendall Fuller, who held him in check back in week four, holding him to just five catches for 45 yards. And it should be more of the same this week, but Emmanuel Sanders, he still has at least 11.3 PPR points in every one of his games this season, so I'm personally continuing to roll with him. Then you have Demarius Thomas. The Chiefs have allowed just one touchdown to wide receivers over their last four games, and Demarius Thomas really hasn't been very involved with just 16 targets over the last three games. But with bye weeks and what should be a high-scoring game, I really have no problem starting DT with wide receiver three expectations this week. And then I just want to take a quick second to mention Cortland Sutton. While I'm not interested in starting him this week, he's now taken his last nine receptions for 155 yards and two touchdowns. So with the off chance that the Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas trade rumors are true, Sutton should still be owned in all leagues as his opportunity should continue to increase as the season goes on. But on the Chiefs side of the ball, obviously you're starting Patrick Mahomes, you're starting Kareem Hunt, you're starting Tariq Hill, you're starting Travis Kelsey. Really, Sammy Watkins is the only Chiefs player that isn't locked into your lineup every week. But I know that a lot of teams are in tough spots at this point in the season with injuries, with bye weeks. So I do think that you can start Sammy Watkins here as an upside play in what should be a high-scoring game. Now let's hop into our next game of the week, the Cleveland Browns going into Pittsburgh to play the Steelers in a game with a 51-point over-under. On the Browns' side of the ball, I have Baker Mayfield locked in as a top streaming option this week. We know that the Steelers are going to be putting up a ton of points at home, and it's going to be up to Mayfield to keep the Browns in the game as Pittsburgh hasn't allowed more than 75 yards to any running backs on the season, so he's going to have to get it done through the air. But speaking of running backs, of course, Nick Chubb, he looked pretty solid last week, and opportunity alone should have him locked in as an RB2 this week, but keep in mind that the Steelers have allowed just 3.57 yards per carry and have allowed just three rushing touchdowns on the season. So this is definitely not a favorable matchup here, but I really have no problems but I really have no problem starting Nick Chubb as a volume play. And for the pass catching options on the Brown, Jarvis Landry, 10 plus targets in six of seven games this season. I said that Mayfield's going to have to get it done through the air. So I'm locking Landry into my lineups this week. And David Njoku, I said that he was a buy low a few weeks back and he's now totaled 52 or more yards in each of Mayfield's four starts, seeing a 22% target share and has scored a touchdown in each of his last two games. So he's locked in as a high end tight end one for me this week and for the rest of the season. Over to the Steelers side of the ball, Ben Roethlisberger. I really have no concern starting him coming off of a bye and playing at home. I think he's going to be well prepared for this matchup. Of course, you're starting James Conner. You're starting Antonio Brown. Juju Smith-Schuster, 10 targets in four of the last five games. He's still locked in in that wide receiver two range for me this week. And even Vance McDonald, 
He's now played 64.8% of the team's snaps over the last three games and has had at least 62 yards in three of his last four games, which really might not sound impressive, but those are borderline tight end one numbers for you. So like I keep saying, that position is gross. And if you need someone to stream this week, Vance McDonald is a fine option. Now for our next game of the week, we have the Seattle Seahawks playing the Detroit Lions in a game with a 49 and a half point over under on the Seahawks side of the ball. I know that Wilson hasn't been great, but I'm confident in him as as a mid-tier quarterback one this week. As we just saw Brock Osweiler last week throw for 222 yards and three touchdowns on just 23 pass attempts. This was despite losing Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills, and Devontae Parker being inactive. So I have no issue starting Wilson here. It still seems weird that I have to tell you guys that it's okay to start Russell Wilson. This season's just been crazy. For the Seahawks run game, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, there's clearly a lot of uncertainty here with Carson's carries going down over the last few weeks as Penny has been getting more involved. And the Lions, they have allowed three 100-yard games, two running backs on the season, and are allowing six yards per carry. But they recently acquired one of the best run stuffers in the NFL this past week and Damon Harrison. So there seems to be some opportunity here. But as I said, there's a ton of uncertainty as well, especially coming off of a bye. I'd still lean Chris Carson as an RB3, but I really don't feel great about it with Penny coming on and the addition of Harrison to the Lions defense. In the passing game, Doug Baldwin, he proved that he's finally healthy in week six with six catches for 91 yards right before the Seahawks bye. And we've seen slot receivers Danny Amendola and Marquez Valdez-Scantling both have solid days against the Lions over the last two weeks. So I think that Baldwin is locked in as a wide receiver too with some upside this week, especially since Darius Slay, he usually doesn't shadow slot receivers. So Baldwin should be able to avoid him for a decent portion of the game at least. And Tyler Lockett, his production has just been completely unsustainable, scoring five touchdowns on just 32 targets this year. But similar to Baldwin, Tyler Lockett lines up in the slot on about half of his snaps. So he should have the same opportunity to exploit some good matchups, making him a touchdown dependent wide receiver three, wide receiver four option this week. On the Lions side of the ball, I saw a stat today actually that said that the Seahawks defense hasn't allowed a top 20 quarterback since way back in week one, which is definitely impressive. But If you look a little bit deeper into this, I think this could be a little bit skewed as they've played Mitchell Trubisky before his blow-up games. They played Dak Prescott, Sam Bradford, and Josh Rosen in Week 3. Jared Goff without Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks for about half of that game. And Derek Carr without Amari Cooper for most of last week's game. So I really don't have any issues starting Stafford here. For the Lions run game, Kerryon Johnson, I know that there's hype there after racking up 384 yards over his last four games. And I love Kerryon Johnson, but the Seahawks have allowed just one top 12 running back on the season, and that was to Todd Gurley. Outside of that, they'd have allowed just one rushing touchdown on the season, despite playing against Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Marshawn Lynch. So it's really hard for me to project him this week because I want to lock him into my lineups, but I'm expecting him to be a bit of a mid to low end running back two performance at best, which is definitely a little bit disappointing. But as far as the Lions wide receivers go, you're starting Tate, you're starting Galladay, And Marvin Jones, if you're in a tough spot, he's really just a touchdown-dependent wide receiver four at this point. But he does come with more upside than other players that I would put in that same range, as we know he has that touchdown potential. 
Now for our next game of the week, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing the Cincinnati Bengals in a game with a 53 and a half point over under. Starting with the Buccaneers side of the ball, Jameis Winston, you guys already know how I feel about him by now, but the Bengals, they have allowed 319 or more passing yards in five out of seven games this season and a top 13 quarterback in six of their seven games. So Winston, if you need a more convincing, he's a solid quarterback one this week with a safe floor. Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber, they're going up against the Bengals defense that has been bad against the run, allowing 369 yards and three touchdowns over the last three weeks. But unless Ronald Jones is officially named the starter, it'll be tough for me to really count on either of these guys as more than a running back three. Although if you're in a tough spot, you have to start one of them. Ronald Jones, Rojo, he's the one that I would choose. And for the pass catching options outside of Mike Evans, who you already know you're starting, I think that Chris Godwin and Deshaun Jackson are both wide receiver three plays. Chris Godwin, he has 11 catches for 115 yards and one touchdown with Winston over the last two weeks, but has yet to top 74 yards in a single game, so seems to be a bit of a capped ceiling there. And Deshaun Jackson, he's seen his snap counts decline as of late. But he should see a lot of Dre Kirkpatrick this week, which is not a very scary matchup by any means. So there's always the chance for Deshaun Jackson to break off that big play. And then we have tight end OJ Howard. The Bengals, they've allowed the fifth most fantasy points to tight ends this season. Keep locking OJ Howard in as a solid tight end one this week. And then on the Bengals side of the ball, Andy Dalton, of course, primetime Andy came out last week and gave us a disappointing week seven. But what also happened last week was Baker Mayfield was the first quarterback this season to not throw for more than 334 passing yards against the Buccaneers. And he still managed to throw two touchdowns in that game. So I'm going right back to Dalton this week. I think he's a solid quarterback one streamer option here. And for the pass catching options, again, just like Mike Evans, you know you're starting A.J. Green. But Tyler Boyd, he should be matched up against rookie M.J. Stewart, who has allowed 330 yards and five touchdowns in coverage this season. So I'm really willing to write off last week's game against the Chiefs as an off day for the Bengals offense. And I'm locking Boyd back into every lineup that I have him in as a solid wide receiver too. And then for the tight end, C.J. Uzoma, the Buccaneers, they've allowed a top 12 tight end in every game this season, and C.J. Uzoma has caught 89.5% of his targets this season. So if you're looking for a streamer option at the tight end position, there's a good chance that he's available in your league, so look towards C.J. Uzoma. And now we'll hop right into our next game, the New York Jets playing the Chicago Bears with an over-under of 46 points. On the Jets' side of the ball, outside of two quarterback leagues, you're not starting Sam Darnold. Of course, with Bilal Powell moved to injured reserve, you would think Isaiah Crowell is going to be a great start going forward, but he's had 40 rushing yards or less in five of his seven games this season, and the Bears' defense has been brutal against running backs, so I would personally avoid him this week if you could. Then in the passing game, you have Robbie Anderson, who's now listed as doubtful for Sunday's matchups. But even if he does play, he's had 45 or less yards in six of seven games this season. We know that the big playability is there, but he's just a boomer bust option on any given week. So I don't even know if he needs to be rostered at this point. There's a chance that there is a better plug and play guy week in and week out that could provide more consistent production for your team. But now I'll hop right over to the Bears side of the ball and quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. I'm really still not a huge fan of his, but he is averaging 33.9 fantasy points per game over the last three games. And the Jets have allowed 918 yards and eight passing touchdowns to quarterbacks over that same three-week span. So while he may be without Allen Robinson in this one, I think he should still be in that high-end quarterback two range, even if Allen Robinson is out. And of course, his rushing ability, he's rushed for an average of 60 yards over that same 
three game span that I mentioned earlier. So that provides a really safe floor for him this week. As far as the Bears run game, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. I said it last week that I still like Jordan Howard, but it just seems like Cohen is really the better fit for this offense. But the Bears, they have been playing from behind over the last two weeks, which obviously lends itself more to Tariq Cohen taking a larger role. And in this matchup specifically, the game script could favor Jordan Howard a bit more, who has received 13 red zone carries this season. Now, I think both are in that running back two range this week, although I definitely prefer Cohen in any type of PPR formats, especially if Allen Robinson doesn't play. I think he'll see a few more targets go his way. And speaking of Allen Robinson, even if he is active for this game, I think it'll still be very difficult to trust him as he's likely not 100% despite this being a decent matchup against the Jets. I do actually think that Anthony Miller could be a sneaky play if you're in a deeper PPR league if Robinson misses time. And Taylor Gabriel, I think that last week was a bit more anomalous than anything. Before that game, he was averaging 7.3 targets per game. So I'm locking him back in as a wide receiver three with a fairly safe floor and a ton of upside. So I actually do like Gabriel this week and Trey Burton. He saw a season high in targets with 11, season high in receptions with 9, and a season high in yards with 126 in Week 7 against the Patriots. Now the Jets are middle of the pack against tight ends this season, but you likely don't have a better option with more upside, especially again if Allen Robinson is ruled out. And now we have an NFC East showdown with the Washington Redskins playing the New York Giants in a game that has a 42 point over under. Starting on the Washington Redskins side of the ball, I'm not interested in starting Alex Smith in this matchup. Jameson Crowder, he's already been ruled out. The status of Chris Thompson and Paul Richardson, they're both up in the air. So I really wouldn't trust him as any more than a lower-end quarterback two this week. As far as the Redskins' run game goes, Adrian Peterson, he has 97 or more rushing yards in three of his last four games. And the one game where he didn't reach that mark, that was against the New Orleans Saints, who they're the best run defense in the NFL right now. So does it really even count? I don't know. You guys can decide on that one. But he's been solid, and the Giants have been mediocre against the run, and they no longer have defensive tackle Damon Harrison. He is now on the Lions, making Adrian Peterson a decent running back to play, who he'll still likely need that touchdown to really make a significant impact on your fantasy team, but a solid option nonetheless. And Chris Thompson's status is still up in the air, as I mentioned, but I don't like to start players in general in their first game back from a multi-week injury. Sometimes it works out for me, sometimes it doesn't but I like to keep my lineups a little bit more risk-averse than other people. So although the Giants have been susceptible to pass-catching running backs, Thompson will not be making it into any of my lineups this week. But of course, his presence will certainly lower Adrian Peterson's ceiling for this week as well. And then we have Jordan Reed, and the Giants have actually been pretty tough against tight ends, allowing just one touchdown this season, and that was to Zach Ertz. Meanwhile, Reed has been averaging just 33 yards per game over the last three weeks and hasn't scored since week one. So this makes him very difficult to trust. I really don't trust any of the pass-catching options in this offense, but all tight ends are pretty difficult to trust, honestly. So I guess if you have Jordan Reed and there are no better options, there's no C.J. Uzoma available, you can roll with him and just hope for the best, hope for that touchdown, hope for that big play. On the Giants' side of the ball, Eli Manning, same as Alex Smith. Outside of two quarterback leagues, I'm not, I have no confidence in trusting him this week. You already know you're starting Saquon Barkley. You know you're starting Odell Beckham Jr. But Sterling Shepard, I think he's a low-end wide receiver three this week. The Redskins' defense, they have been slightly underrated with cornerback Fabian Moreau playing very well. And Evan Ingram, he should cap 
Shepard's target opportunity. And speaking of Evan Ingram, the Redskins have allowed the seventh fewest yards to the tight end position this season, making it tough for me to trust him as anything more than a tight end too, as he obviously has to compete with targets with Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard, and Saquon Barkley in the lineup. So I'm avoiding him, but as you all know, it really only takes one play for your tight end to make your week. If he gets that touchdown, you're going to be happy. Now for our next game of the week, we have the Indianapolis Colts playing the Oakland Raiders in a game with a 49.5 point over-under. This is a great matchup for Andrew Luck. I said it on Wednesday's episode that I think he is one of the few quarterbacks in the NFL that you can lock in week in and week out of your lineup and not even have to worry about it. So of course I'm rolling with him here. T.Y. Hilton, I think he is a must-start running back one this week. And Eric Ebron, he's now averaged 10 targets per game in Jack Doyle's absence. So I'm expecting him to get right back on track as a tight end one after a disappointing game last week. Even if Jack Doyle does return, I know that he's been practicing. I still think Ebron is a fine tight end play. And for the run game, Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines, while I don't think that Mack is in every week running back one, that offensive line, of course, it's still bad. And the Colts, they will play from behind, which will lend itself more to a Naeem Hines type game script but I love Mac this week against the Raiders who have allowed three 100 yard games two running backs this season and as for Hines I think that the Colts will be in control of this game and I struggle to see him getting enough opportunities to really be relevant with Marlon Mack handling the carries and with T.Y. Hilton and potentially Jack Doyle back in the passing game so I would avoid Hines if possible but in PPR formats I guess you could do worse there on the Raiders side of the ball, Derek Carr, I didn't trust him before he lost Amari Cooper. I'm definitely not trusting him without Amari Cooper on the team. And the Colts have allowed the eighth fewest passing touchdowns on the season and just two top 12 quarterback performances. So they've been a little bit better than most people would think against quarterbacks. So again, I'm not trusting Derek Carr in this matchup. As far as the run game goes, Doug Martin and Jalen Richard. Martin should see at least 10 carries this week with Marshawn Lynch now on IR, keeping him on that running back three radar. But he really hasn't looked great behind that poor offensive line, and he's just not involved in the passing game with just five targets on the season. Meanwhile, Jalen Richard has 11.7 PPR points in four of his six games this season, and the Colts have allowed five or more receptions to four running backs on the season. So Richard, he should be viewed as a running back two in PPR formats this week in a game where they should be playing from behind without their top pass catcher, Amari Cooper. And what does this mean for the wide receivers? I'm honestly still not willing to trust either of these guys just yet with how that offense has looked. I think Jordy Nelson, he should provide a decently safe floor and should be Carr's favorite red zone target. So he could get a touchdown and make your day. That's not really something that I'm willing to bank on unless I'm in a tight spot. And Martavis Bryant, he definitely has the speed to beat the Colts secondary, but he's nothing more than a boom or bust option for me at this point. And then we have Jared Cook. He's the pass catching option that I have the most confidence in this week. He's seen at least six targets in four of six games this season before Cooper was traded. So we could definitely see an uptick in that this week. And although he lacks crazy upside, his volume keeps him in that low end tight end one consideration for me this week. And now we have the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Arizona to play the Cardinals in a game with a 43-point over-under. On the 49ers side of the ball, I'm not willing to trust C.J. Beathard outside of two quarterback leagues. But in the run game, I do think that Raheem Mostert is an interesting play this week with Matt Breda likely to miss this game. And Alfred Morris averaging just 3.5 yards per carry. He's nothing more than a running back four for me at this point. Meanwhile, Mostert has racked up 146 yards on 19 carries over the last two weeks and added four receptions for 19 yards once Breda went down last week against the LA Rams. Meanwhile, this is 
a favorable matchup against the Cardinals, who have allowed 29.2 points per game to the running back position this season. So I think that Mostert is a low-end running back two in this matchup, especially if Breda misses. Obviously, if Breda plays, it will be at a limited capacity, but that'll certainly cut into Mostert's ceiling. Something to keep your eye on going into Sunday's games. And in the passing game for the 49ers, Marquise Goodwin, he's really the only option that I would consider starting here outside of George Kittle, who is a must-start every week. But I really don't even have much confidence in Goodwin here. The Cardinals have allowed a league low, four touchdowns, two wide receivers on the season. So he'll likely have to rely on a big play to have any fantasy relevance this week. And on the Cardinals side of the ball, Josh Rosen again outside of two quarterback leagues. I'm just not interested right now. David Johnson, you're starting him. But for the passing options, Christian Kirk, he's averaged 5.5 targets, 4 receptions, 61.8 yards, and .3 touchdowns per game since Josh Rosen took over four weeks ago. However, Larry Fitzgerald, he has been coming back from a hamstring injury. And with a new offensive coordinator in Arizona, Christian Kirk is difficult to trust as more than a wide receiver for this week. And Larry Fitzgerald, he has been getting more involved over the last two weeks. As I mentioned, he's still healing up from that hamstring injury. But Josh Rosen has yet to throw for more than 240 yards or one touchdown in any of his first four games. So I'm really not excited about starting either of these guys. I think Kirk is the better play this week. And Fitzgerald, I know he's been dropped in a lot of leagues. He might be available on your waiver wire. I do think that he's worth the add with the new offensive coordinator coming in. If he does come in in the second half of the season, he would definitely be worth having on your team. Now for our next game of the week, we have the Green Bay Packers going to Los Angeles to play the Rams in a game with a 57-point over-under. Of course, you're starting Aaron Rodgers in this matchup. And for the Packers running backs, this really does seem to be a three-way timeshare right now, which is not ideal. But Aaron Jones, if you had to start one of them, he is your guy if I had to pick one. But I'm not willing to trust any of these guys against the Rams who have yet to allow a top 12 performance to the running back position this season. For the passing game, Devontae Adams, he's locked into your lineup. But Geronimo Allison, the Rams secondary, hasn't played very well as of late, allowing multiple top 30 wide receivers in three of their last four games. And Allison has at least 64 yards in all of his games played this season. And of course, has the best quarterback in the game throwing him the ball. So he should be started as a wide receiver three this week as long as he's healthy. Randall Cobb, not willing to trust him just yet coming back from his injuries. And tight end Jimmy Graham, he's really surprised me this season. He's seen 20 targets over the last two games and has surprisingly been getting it done with yardage, not touchdowns, which is the exact opposite of what I predicted in the preseason. But this definitely bodes well for him in this matchup against the Rams, who have yet to allow a tight end touchdown this season, but have allowed the eighth most yards two tight ends this season. So I think Jimmy Graham, you're going to continue starting him as a tight end one in this matchup. But now we'll hop right into Sunday night's game. The New Orleans Saints playing the Minnesota Vikings in a game with a 52 and a half point over under. Of course, you're starting Drew Brees. The guy has been ridiculous. He still has yet to throw an interception this season and currently has a 77.3% completion percentage. The single season record is 72%, and that was also set by Drew Brees last season. So he's just been playing lights out. You're firing him up this week. As far as the Saints' run game goes, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Of course you're starting Kamara, but Todd Gurley is the only running back to surpass 60 yards on the ground against the Vikings this season. This brings us over to Mark Ingram, who I think should still be started but expect mid to low running back two production against this tough run defense. As far as the pass catching options go, Michael Thomas, of course you're starting him. Traquan Smith, 
Not a fan of starting him this week, although he was one of my favorite waiver wire pickups coming into this week. I think he's someone that you're just going to wait and see what happens. And then you have tight end Benjamin Watson. He's now caught 10 of 10 targets for 73 yards and a touchdown over the last two weeks. He should be a solid streamer option this week with his opportunity. And then on the Vikings side of the ball, you're starting Kirk Cousins. In the run game, Dalvin Cook has been ruled out. So Latavius Murray, he's really looked great over the last two weeks. But this was against two bottom half run defenses in the Cardinals and the Jets. Meanwhile, the Saints have held opposing running backs to just 2.75 yards per carry on the season and under 75 yards rushing and have allowed just three rushing touchdowns this year. So expect Murray to get the volume, but he's a low end running back too this week who I think will need a touchdown to really make you feel good about sliding him into your lineup. Of course, you're starting Adam Thielen. I'm not sure if you guys have heard, but he's put up 100 receiving yards in every game so far this year. And then Stephon Diggs, he should see Marshawn Lattimore in coverage, which is less than ideal. But 12 wide receivers have posted 11.4 PPR points or more against the Saints this year. And I'm expecting Cousins to have to get it done through the air since the Saints have such a tough run defense. So I'm continuing to start Diggs as a wide receiver too in this matchup. And then Kyle Rudolph, he's now seen just four targets in each of the last two games and hasn't had more than 41 yards since week four and hasn't scored since week three. Now, the Saints are also third in the NFL in defending the tight end position, so I have very little confidence in starting him this week, but to be quite honest, I have very little confidence in any tight end week in and week out, so if you have Kyle Rudolph and you want to roll with him, I'm not going to argue with you there. Just hope he gets that touchdown. Keep your fingers crossed, and if he does, he'll make your week. If not, he's just like most of the other tight ends in the league. And now we'll go right into our final game of the week, Monday night, an AFC East showdown between the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills, a game with a 44.5 point over-under. Of course, you're starting Tom Brady here in the Patriots run game. You have James White and Kenyon Barner expected to handle the backfield with the absence of Sony Michelle. Obviously, you're starting James White, and I really have no interest in starting Barner this week. Marlon Max, 159 yards and two touchdowns last week against the Bills, was an outlier for that defense as they have allowed just 284 rushing yards and one touchdown to running backs in the four weeks prior to that game. So James White is the only guy you want to go with in this backfield. Then for the pass catching options, Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, and Chris Hogan. Edelman, he now has eight receptions on 16 targets for 147 yards and two touchdowns over the last two weeks. With Tredavious White likely shadowing Josh Gordon, Edelman should see plenty of opportunity to make him a solid wide receiver two this week. And with that being said, I'm not as optimistic about Josh Gordon as the aforementioned White has allowed just a 57% catch rate and one touchdown on the season to wide receivers. This is despite playing against Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Corey Davis, and DeAndre Hopkins. So Gordon is a wide receiver three for me this week, but he definitely has more upside than most of the guys that I have ranked in that range. And then we come to Chris Hogan, who actually has some upside here in my opinion. Despite clearly being the number three option on this offense, he'll likely be lined up with Philip Gaines for the majority of the game, who has not played well this season at all. So when you take that combined with Josh Gordon having a tough matchup and Rob Gronkowski's Injury status, definitely a concern. Hogan has wide receiver three upside, in my opinion, this week. And speaking of Rob Gronkowski, of course you're playing him if he's going to be on the field, but he's likely to be a game-time decision, and the Patriots play on Monday night. So make sure you're keeping an eye on his status all day Saturday, Sunday morning, but I would likely go with another option, if possible, just to avoid the risk of sitting him. And if you are going to take that chance on playing Rob Gronkowski Monday night, 
I think Charles Clay is a must-add. Not that you want to start Charles Clay, but God forbid you come to Monday night and he's ruled the game time inactive. You can at least slide Clay into your lineup and hopefully get some points from the tight end position. But moving over to the Bills side of the ball, the only options that have fantasy relevance here are LaShawn McCoy and Chris Ivory. Now, I'm not expecting McCoy to play this week, which should have Chris Ivory seeing an upwards of 15 carries in his absence, which puts him in that running back three conversation. But averaging just 3.1 yards per carry on the season definitely isn't something to be excited about, especially if the Bills fall behind to the Patriots. It's going to be tough to see him get very involved. Now, if McCoy does play, his pass catching ability should allow him to be in the low end running back two or high ceiling running back three range. But again, this Bills offense is just not something that I'm excited about at all this season. And that is all that I have for you guys for our week eight preview. I hope that I was able to help you guys solve some of your lineup questions going into this week. If you guys have any other questions, please feel free to reach out to us anytime at footballmdpod on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or hit up the contact us section on our website, footballmdpodcast.com. We love getting questions from you guys, and we love all of the support that you guys have been sending us. If you haven't already done so, please drop a quick five-star review on whichever platform that you may be listening on. It really does mean a lot to us, and it helps out the podcast, so we really do appreciate that, guys. And don't forget, we still have those breast cancer awareness t-shirts. They are going fast. We have very limited sizes left. So if you would like yours, if you would like to represent the podcast and donate to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, please message us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or at footballmdpodcast.com, and we'll get you your shirt as soon as possible. Thank you, guys, and good luck this week.